0: Actually, it is time to get started, so.
1: Joys and be glad.
0: you guys can be seated (laughs) but i hope in the lord jesus to send timothy to you shortly so that i also may be encouraged when i learn of your condition for i have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare for they all seek after their own interests not those of christ jesus but you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father Therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me so that i would not have sorrow upon sorrow therefore i have sent him all the more eagerly so that you so that when you see him again you may rejoice and that i may be less concerned about you receive him then in the lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of christ risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me let's pray Lord, no matter the situation, no matter the life circumstance, we can trust in your hand and your work. We know that your work is good and that you have not forgotten, that you have not forsaken. And no matter what befalls us or what goes on around us, Lord, strengthen our faith that we would walk with and in faith in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sorry, I'm doing three things at once over here, and none of them am I doing well, which is the general rule of multitasking. The more things you try to do at the same time, the worse you get at all of them. <laughs> um, let me see. We actually have a bulletin this week. If you didn't get one, they're around here somewhere. Um, be glad to check those out. Um, let me see. Dun, da, da, dun. Read your bulletin, it'll do you good. Uh, just do us all a favor and keep a check on folks. If you haven't heard from anybody or seen anybody, give him a call we have a few people that we know we haven't seen or heard from regularly a couple folks we know are staying home and they should be because again if anybody's gonna get it it's gonna be mike we all know this so even his kids are telling him to stay home and not go anywhere is there something i'm forgetting i feel like there's like 17 things that should be going on when you clear a calendar of the world and the church calendar gets cleared too it's like suddenly are we supposed to be announcing something because i don't know what it is And says, I can't come up with anything, in Ephesians, what command does Paul give to the children? (laughs) Every parent knows that one, right? That's the first Bible verse you taught your kids. See, God says you have to listen to me. (laughs) Now, did anybody actually do the homework and figure out why? (sighs) For shame. Do what? So it'll go well with them. See, now, this is, the, this is actually important. It's the, it's the first commandment that comes with a promise. So it'll go well with you in the land. Why would children honoring and obeying father and mother cause life for Israel to go well in the land? How does the gospel predominantly spread? Through families and their first ministry being at home. How What was the condition for Israel to keep that promised land from God? that they follow his commandments, walk in the covenant with him, and obey him. So in other words, as children were following their parents, who were supposed to be following God, what were children doing? They were ultimately following God. Therefore, the covenant would be confirmed, the promise would continue, God's mercy would rain down, and in a in an altered sense, not a whole lot has changed. <laughs> We've got our first phone ring! da da <laughs> this is the one time we can catch him on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so yeah, the same idea happens today. Parents, as you are following after Christ, then your children should be following after you, therefore following after Christ. If they're not, if you're not following Christ and they're they are following you, then we've got bad news for you. So this is important, not just then, but even continuing as parents disciple, as parents are disciples. So Fun, fun, fun. On what day were fish and birds created? Don't say it out loud. Don't give anybody the hints. Read your Bible. It'll do you good. Now, again, reason for the question is half the fun. Look it up. Notice the days of creation. Pay attention to the order and see if it lines up with science. It will be fun. There's actually a lot going on there with the days of creation and the reason they're in the order that they're in. So read Genesis 1. It'll do you good and figure out what God is doing. Am I forgetting anything else? In that case, we'll stop rambling even sooner than normal and get back to worship. Amen. Mm-hmm. last week that there was an obvious setting on that sound system so that even though my microphone was muting, took part of the sound system That the camera set. again i found one that i think will work but the problem is i think it'll work and since all the stores are closed that sell so electronics you can't go in and look at it and double check and i was a little weary about spending two to three hundred dollars on something that might be what we need so i'm going to try to look into a little bit more and hopefully by next week we will i don't know maybe be able to do this facebook and actually have people look at us Alright, something for a We are finishing Habakkuk. It's such a long book, so it's took three whole weeks on it, but it'll be fun and it has been a little bit fun. And if no one else has enjoyed going through this weird little book, okay. and that's what's really important, right? <laughs> now, here you go. It's all it's all about what I want to do. Now, quick little update. Habakkuk has been told by God that judgment is coming twice. Uh, the justice of God has been proclaimed in all of human events. The mercy of God, though, has also been proclaimed. And the call from God to trust in Him has gone out. Now, Habakkuk asked, What are we going to do? Look at all this evil around me. God said, Oh, wait, just wait. Habakkuk's response was, What? Well, that's not good. So God reiterated. Now, based on this back and forth, what's left? God has told what's going to happen. Now we're waiting on what? See, Habakkuk's got something else he wants to say. What isn't that what he's waiting on? I'm going to sit here and wait for God to respond so that I think about what I'm going to say. So when God does respond, I'll know what to say to him. Welcome to chapter 3 of Habakkuk. Habakkuk's response to God's proclamation again. Now, this is important because this is something that is basically directed I don't mean the exact words that the Habakkuk uses. What I mean is the attitude and the response, not the words of the response, but the heart of the response that he has. Knowing what we know about God, knowing how he is working, and actually living out what is going on in the world around us. Let's be honest, most nations have questions, right? Yes. So did Habakkuk. We saw that. Now that he has been confronted with the truth of who God is, what God is doing, and why God is doing it, we actually have to deal rightly with the heart of the believer. And I have to keep stalling because the person who can to scurry away
1: from the sound They can't keep up with us. <laughs>
0: so, with all of that said, I'm going done stalling. Habakkuk chapter three. A prayer of Habakkuk, the, the prophet, according to Shiki and Off. Lord, I have heard the report about you, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Timon, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand, and there is the hiding of his power. Before him goes pestilence, and plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kishan under distress. The ten curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? Or was your anger against the rivers? Or was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses on your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made bare. The rods of chastisement were sworn. Zealand You cleaved the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and quaked. The downpour of waters swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at the light of your arrows. At the radiance of your gleaming spear, in indignation you marched through the earth. In anger you trampled the nations. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the, for the salvation of your anointed, you struck the head of the house of the evil to lay him open from thigh to neck. See, like. You pierced with his own spears the head of his throngs. They stormed to the to scatter us. Their exultation was, like was like those who devoured the oppressed in secret. You trembled on the sea with your horses on the surge of many waters. I heard, and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay entered my bones, and in my flesh because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the knowledge should fall or should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will result in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet, and makes me walk on my high places. Reminder for the choir director on my stringed instruments.
2: There you go, it's in there.
0: They read all of it. Now, that made perfect sense, right? We can just aim and go home, right? Yeah. Mark's got the space, like, no, I need I, I, I a little. I got questions. What's that line? I am made of questions right now. So, rewind <laughs> back to the beginning, we will make sense of this. Verse one, believe it or not, we will start making sense of it from the very beginning. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigianoth. they like, what incarnation is the Shigianoth? It appears one other place in all of Scripture. One, the introduction of Psalm 7. Not the verses, but the introduction, which, if you want to get technical, in some Psalms, the introduction is actually part of the verses, which in English we don't count, but in uh, Hebrew they would, as Sometimes the verses are also in English. It's like Psalm 7-2, whereas in Hebrew, it would be Psalm 7-3. So, a Shigion of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush of Benjamin. You know, well, that didn't me at all. It doesn't help me a whole lot either. So, I went digging, and people with, like, initials after their names went digging, and I sort of trust what they have to say. I say sort of because sometimes yeah, I wonder. The nearest we can figure... Notice how definitive i mean. The nearest we can figure is a shigion, or a shi, uh, shigion off, is a praise. It's an exaltation of power and majesty. It's basically an ancient praise song. Now, if you remember what we just read, you're going, I still have questions. <laughs> because that didn't sound like any praise song that I've ever sung in the church. Now, that's a good thing, though, because... This is praise and exaltation of God for who he is, what he does, and specifically how he does it. Now, if you're wondering, why have that response? Remember what Habakkuk has been confronted with and what has been confronted with him. I'll rewind back to a verse that we read last week, which is at the end of Job. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I retract and I repent in dust. What was Job's entire thing? I'm not guilty, and God has done this to me. If God would come down here and answer my questions, I would have a fair hearing and be not guilty. And God comes down, and Job realizes what?
1: Yeah, I'm not not guilty.
0: I'm the opposite of not guilty right now. My bad. I'm going to sit in the corner and shut up. What's the back we basically going? The exact same thing. This is a reminder of who we are and how we are to live. Go back to Proverbs three trust in the lord with all your heart do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight do not be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and turn away from evil notice who that's focused on who needs to get right not god but me so we've got a praise from the back of recognizing the majesty of god verse 2 lord i have heard the report of you and i fear Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. This is a good place to start. This is your position before God. Go back to Jesus teaching God. Who stands before God? The Pharisee and the tax collector? What was the tax collector's? I, standing some distance away, was unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but beating his breast, saying, "What God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What was Isaiah's response when God comes down and shows him the the vision of the temple, with God seated on the throne and the glory of the Lord filling the temple? Woe to me, for I am an unclean man, and I live amongst an unclean people. bad. In other words, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to shut up. This is the starting point. This is how we access God. This is how we stand before Him. Not in pride.
2: Not in bravado. Not in knowledge. Not in wisdom. But in humility
0: and repentance, Isaiah 57. Thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place, and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Paul puts it this way in Romans 4. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor. You get that, right? When you go to work, you've never been grateful that they paid you. I earned that money. <laughs> no, I worked. You pay. This isn't something that you give me out of the kindness of your heart. I earned that money. You get that. His wage is not credited as a favor, but as ways due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, Blessed are those who law, whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. See, we stand before God not because we have earned the standing before God, but because God has graciously provided to be Christ. We have not earned the right to be there. We have been granted it by his grace and mercy. Therefore, we are not proud. We are humble. We are not exalted. We are brought love in God Impact. So Habakkuk now has the right starting point. So now it gets fun. because Now we've got to do some history and geography and language. Aren't you so glad you Oh yeah. Really? Verse 3. God comes from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Okay. Got to do some work here because this helps set the stage for what Habakkuk is saying. What does Habakkuk know to be true? Based okay, on chapter 2 knows that God is coming and judgment is coming with God. So from here on in, Habakkuk is actually going to describe that with a look at the history of what God has done. And here's what I mean by that. This is a reference to the past of Israel. Timon is an area located in the western end of the peninsula of Sinai. Mount Haran is also known as Mount Sinai. So what is the back getting back to what biblical events exodus he's reminding of what god has done in the past now can we summarize the lesson of exodus the work of god in the plagues in the deliverance and in the provision of people i think we can with psalm 24. the earth is the lord's and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it Habakkuk is now using rightly his knowledge of god what he has done in the past the attributes that define God, and he is going to use that knowledge and, 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 and let's try that again. He's going to use that knowledge and explain what is happening in light of what God has said. Christian, welcome to biblical application. What, what is the purpose of all the knowledge we accumulate about God? So we will know who He is, what He has done what he has promised to do, and then we will live in this world in light of what he has said, in light of scripture. Habakkuk is doing this. He's doing it in real time, and that's good news for us. So his splendor covers the heaven, and the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand, and there is no, I'm sorry, and there is the hiding of his power. Let me take a quick little excerpt Does that sound like anything in the New Testament? Radiance is like the sunlight. John 1, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not overcome it. Take the quick little Jesus never makes a claim in the New Testament that cannot be backed up by something describing God or his work in the Old Testament. we put them together. I always point this out whenever I get a chance that we have a continuity to the story of Scripture. So you have little things like this even explaining the work of Christ. So when Christ makes the claims that he makes, you can connect them to not just the historical work of God, but the prophetic utterances of God's call of Isn't that fun? Okay. Back on the ring real quick. We're going to dig into Calabatic's little song. here. It's part prayer it's part vision and it's part history And the reason i say that is because habakkuk transitions throughout the song if you're like me you read it one time and you go okay and then you start trying to figure it out as we point as we dig through this though i'll point out the transitions because if you're paying attention habakkuk is going to move from third person speaking about god as he's far off to second person speaking about god as he so he moves from a him to a you. Does that make sense? When do you say you to somebody?
2: <clears throat>
0: when they're with you. So Habakkuk is moving from God far off, coming to his people, to God arriving. He moves from past tense talking about the work that God has done to present and future tense talking about what God is doing and will do. Are you confused yet? Yes. All right. I know we're working. He's going to use the Old Testament narrative teaching to explain himself. Humanly speaking, do once you get this one right, humanly speaking, what is the biggest thing that you can see? You can't really see the universe. The sky. There it is, right there. The world. Powers that we have on this planet. I mean, we can see the sun, but from a human perspective, how big is the sun? When you're just looking at it, it's just all up there. I don't have the concept of how big the sun is. You don't know have a concept of how big and powerful it is? This terra firma that I'm standing on, this ground that I inhabit. So Habakkuk is going to use that to demonstrate not just the powers that God has demonstrated in creating, but how he demonstrates his power over the creation. Because if the biggest, baddest thing that I have is this world around me, and there is a power Greater than that, which I've craving, that power. And believe me, this world is powerful. You don't believe me, have tornado sirens go off like it did in my house last night. You've never been more helpless when you're looking out the window going, I wonder if any minute something's going to come too long across that field. that's going to throw me four counties over. And there's not a thing I can do about it. Cameron and I were making jokes about it, kind of letting the movie get freaking out. But you ever seen the movie Twister, that scene when she's yeah. sitting in the back and she said, We have cows. We were looking at Bird's house last night going, any minute, there's going to be one coming by the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for it. He yeah, yeah. It's a helpless feeling. There's comes across my backfield. What am I going to do about it? One thing. I am powerless against this world. This world is powerless against God. That's an important reminder something that Habakkuk is going to use throughout this. But he's going to do it in light of God's promises. Specifically 2 Samuel 7. When your days are complete and you lie down with your father, this is God speaking to David, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of man, the strokes
2: of the sons of man. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him. Saul, whom I removed from before you, Your house and your kingdom shall endure
0: before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. But that is going to have that in mind as he explains this now. Remember that promise because we're going to come back to it in a few verses. So, verse 5, 5, 6, and 7. Before him goes pestilence, plague after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, The perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kishan under distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. So, in other words, when God arrives, what's coming with him? Judgment is coming. Rewind. When did God really air quotes here? When did God, quote unquote, arrive in back to the Exodus, remember,
2: when Moses and Aaron are standing before Pharaoh complaining, when does God really show up?
0: When the plagues hit, because up until that moment who thinks they're in charge of Egypt? Pharaoh does. It's when the plagues begin that suddenly we're dealing with a power outside of Pharaoh and a power outside of nature. So God quote unquote arrives when judgment comes. Fast forward in Scripture, when God arrives, what will come with him? He said chapter 3. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. When God returns again, he comes out
2: in judgment upon sin. It's one of the prayers, right? It's one of the things we long for, is God, of yeah, this sin. I want it going for me, I want it
0: going for everybody, but if we're going to do that, we've got to go with it. Judgment will come. Notice when it comes over. This is why we've done a couple of questions trick trivia time on the blades. What is God systematically doing in the exodus? He's demonstrating his power not just over one aspect of his creation, but how much of it? All of it. The weather, the water, the animals, whether it's the animals you farm or the animals you can't control, even to the power of life and death in your own household with the final plague, the death of the firstborn. God demonstrates his power over. Everything. That's why I said we can summarize
1: Exodus in Psalm Twenty Four. The earth is the Lord's, and all it contains.
0: God's power extends that far. Psalm One He established the earth upon His foundation, so that it will not totter forever and ever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters were standing above the mountains. At Your rebuke they fled. At the sound of Your thunder they hurried away. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place which You established for. You set a boundary that they may not pass over, so that they will not return to cover the earth. It's a reminder of creation. The waters covered the surface of the deep, right? And what does God do next? Then God said. Psalm 104 is a poetic way of describing what God has done. The mountains and the valleys are there, but we can't see them. Why? Because there's a covering. Who moved it? God. How did he do it? Move. And the water said, yes, sir. <laughs> And when the waters lined up, God said, you stop right there. And the water said, yes, sir. And the river's floating. God said, not over there. And the river said, yes, sir. His power extends over all of that. Now, that was then. What's coming future? What's the result of that judgment coming at the end? Revelation chapter 6. The kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves Caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. From the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of the wrath is coming. Who is able to stand? When God judges sin, how much sin will he judge? Of all it. Who is then spared? Who will stand? Fast forward in chapter 7. After these things I looked, and behold, A great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne to the Lamb. So you have a picture of two different things going on. Both people are experiencing the presence of God. One is saying, Hide me, hide me. The other one is saying, Thank you. Exactly. What's their difference? Has had their sin forgiven, as David said. Blessed is the man whose name the Lord is not taken into account because of the word of Christ. This is what Habakkuk has seen. He has seen the judgment in Exodus, not with his own eyes, but he knows what God has done. He has been told that it's coming from the Chaldeans. But what is he remembering? That God has promised a salvation and a people for his great name. Habakkuk is now leaning into that and trusting in So, verse 8, we get our first transition. Move from third person, God far off, to second person, God now here. So did the Lord rage against the rivers? See it right here. Or was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation? Again, hearkening back in a poetic language. God has done this. How did Israel escape Egypt? Parting of the Red Sea. How did they enter into the Promised Land? Jordan River was in flood state. What do we do? Uh, Carry the ark into the water, have the priests of the ark stand there, and what happens to the river? It stops. And Israel walks through. He has done this. He has demonstrated power over the waters. They, they operate at his command. coming um, in. Revelation 16. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea. It became blood like that of the dead man Every living thing in the sea died. And a third angel poured out his
2: bullets into the rivers
0: and the waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O holy one, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. See, there's no learning about what God is Where are those people standing? They're standing before God. They're seeing it in real time. They know. They're seeing righteous judgment. And what's the response of believers to righteous judgment? They praise God. This is a lesson we don't learn well in modern American thought. Why is Peter, James, Jesus, and Paul, 1 Peter 1, James 1, Romans 5, um, Jesus in multiple places throughout the Gospels, They say, what should we do in the face of struggles and trials? We should rejoice. Why? How can they say that this judgment is good, that the the
2: death and destruction are good?
0: Well, because it's a judgment against sin. This is what we have forgotten in the world. It's not a permanent dwelling. Now, let's be honest. It feels like it, doesn't it? It feels like it should be a permanent dwelling because it's big and it's mighty and it's as much as I can remember and think about. But it's not the permanent location. Something will kill me. None of those things are good because they're all a result of sin. There are, none of them are things to be joyous about. But, in Christ, when my eyes close here, they open with him. That is joy. That is a time of rejoicing. So the early Christians could rejoice at being boiled in oil and fed to the lions and, you know, burned the state and all that. Why? Because they said, okay, this is how the world's going to do it. This is how you're going to send me to God. I'm in. Mean. Are you looking forward to it? No. But what's going to happen at the end of this? I'm going to be there in his, in his presence, blameless, with great joy, no more sin, no more death, no more mourning, just righteousness in the glory of God. Woo. That's
1: good. That's what I'm looking for. See, I look
0: beyond this place. We, we, we ushered in, I say we, like, you know, like we did it. Like we had a vote at the meeting and we all did this. But
2: as, as evangelicals in modern American life, we ushered in an understanding
0: that you don't want to be too heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And it's terrible because you can't be earthly good unless you are heavenly I'm doing no earthly good if my focus is not eternal in nature. If my focus is just physical, it's a waste of my time. It is nothing. My joy is in Christ. My focus and my work is kingdom building. Now, do I use the things of the world to accomplish that? Yes. Do I do my good work so that people will rejoice in God? Yes. But do I do my good work solely so that this world will be a better place? No is hopeless and helpless and useless. So go back if you starting to see some of that. Uh, verse nine: Your bow was made there, and the rods of chastisement were sworn. This is part of the warning of the covenant God made with Israel. Go back to Deuteronomy thirty-two. Indeed, I lift up my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword, flashing sword. Say that three times next. I dare you. My, my fr- turn to Sean Connery. My. Fr- I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold of justice i will render vengeance on my adversaries i will repay those who hate me i will make my arrows drunk with blood my sword will devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired leaders the enemy rejoice O nations with his people for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries
2: and will atone for his land that thing is talking about the bow being made there. Was any being shown? God has raised up his bow. What happens when you raise up a bow? What do you it to do? It's yeah.
0: so an old lesson my father and my uh, my Navy veteran father taught me: you never point a gun at something you don't intend to destroy. If you point it, because you're shooting at it. It's a good lesson people need to learn more about pirates. So you need to point a gun for no good reason. Anyway. Same thing here with the bow. God's raising up his bow. you think he's doing it just put in front of it? Judgment has come. Habakkuk well, understands that. What is he rejoicing in? That God will do this work. That God will deliver on what he has promised. Because what God has promised judgment to sin. What does he also promised to those who trust in him? Salvation. If he's going to proclaim the one, what do we know he's also going to do? So he's the other. You cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you in quake. The downpour of waters swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its head you got this, what is that? What is the Matthew Park getting back there? The mountains saw you in quake. The downpour of water swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice and lifted high its hands. That's Noah. There's your blood right there. Genesis 1-2. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. We covered that a little while ago. This is the beginning of creation. What does that do from there? He speaks and dry ground appears. He speaks sun, moon, stars. He speaks animals. He speaks vegetation. All of these different things, right? What does he also do? 7th uh, Genesis 7. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep first opened, and the floodgates of the sky were opened.
2: We romanticize
0: what happened with Noah and the flood. It didn't just rain a lot. Where is there more water? In the atmosphere or in the fountains of the great deep burst open. How do you get the water under the ground to get on top of the ground? What do you got to do to the ground?
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to rip it to shreds. What is it that you talking about? The mountain saw you and quake. Why?
0: What did God do? He ripped the ground. The downpour of water swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. The waters and lifted high its hands. Poetic song version of saying what? There's a whole lot of water from above and below. I feel the next move under my feet. I see the skies. I'm down. I'm down. See, there you go. There's good theology in duop. You didn't know that, did you? Now you did. And that'll be stuck in your head the rest of the day. You are welcome. <laughs> see, there you go. it. Yeah, it's got a beat. You can dance to it, right? This is important, though. What is the matter for getting back on When God arrives and God is standing here, what's he going to do? This is what his judgment looks like. We forget this sometimes. This is why we don't like reading the Old Testament. Because we're like, well, it's all that violence and blood and more. Against what? Sin. Against sin. God in his anger against sin is demonstrating his righteousness and his love of his people. I mean, if your spouse, the person you love more than anyone else in this world, has a problem that is killing them. Do you like it? No. I hate that thing. Why? Because I love you. Because I love you, I hate the thing that destroys you. Welcome to God and his humanity. How does God hate sin? It destroys his creation. It corrupts his image in his people. Therefore, he hates it and he wars against it. And what does the warring of God against something he hates looks like? (laughs) <laughs> the mountains saw you and quaked. This is destruction. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at the light of your arrows and the radiance of your gleaming spear. In indignation, you marched through the earth. In anger, you trampled the nations. Go back to Revelation 6. The great wrath of God and of the Lamb has been unleashed. Who will stand? No one who wars, no one who fights, no one who permits to the battle against him will stand. This is an Old Testament lesson as well, Psalm 2. Uh, Psalm 2 starts out with the nations doing what? We're going to shake off the bounds of the bonds of God. We're going to come loose his chains and his fetters. We're going to be free and we're going to run this way. How's that going to work out? He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have installed my king upon Zion nations will not stand because they cannot stand. Now, if you weren't confused yet, you're about to get <laughs> it. Because it's about to get worse. Because we're making another another transition. We are moving from the past. We move from the past to the present. We are now going to work towards the future. That's that makes way too much fun. But he's going to look at the future based on what? What he knows about God and what he knows about God's promises. So verse 13, we'll come back here for a second. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. All right. God remembers his people, and he remembers what he has promised them. Now, did anything jump out at you there? You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. That's specific, isn't it? We read about anointing and, and setting people up in the Old Testament. There are very few references to a specific, be anointed. There's really only one other big reference to the anointed. It comes from Psalm, from Isaiah 45. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him, to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him, so the gates will not be shut. Cyrus is promised by Isaiah as the king who will reestablish Israel. When Cyrus actually does this, at the end of 2 Chronicles, it's Cyrus's decree that enables the exiles to go home, to rebuild the temple, and to institute praises and worship to God, to offer the sacrifices again in his temple. This is when you see. I hate when that happens. Oh, back. This is when you see Zerubbabel as recounted by the scribe Ezra. Zerubbabel goes back to him. Great name. Case. Not a drum, turn around the it right now. It's fun to so, drum, hey. uh, He goes back, this is when Ezra and Nehemiah return, and you see the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem by Nehemiah, you see the reinstitutions of the sacrifices. All of these things are because of the decree of Cyrus allowing the exiles to return. Now, is eyes is Is Cyrus the end all be all of God's prophetic promises? No. Because if he was, the world should've stopped turning once that was done. He's not. Isaiah 45, 2. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. Cyrus is like a lot of things in the Old Testament. He is a now and a not yet. So if we talk about a now, not yet in salvation, you are saved and you are being saved. You are justified and you are being sanctified. You will be glorified. So you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. If you're not confused yet, you can't even know you in, this, in prophecy towards Cyrus in Isaiah 45, God weaves together through Isaiah a now, not yet.
2: And if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, we'll
0: go back to 2 Samuel 7. The promise to David of your king who will sit on your throne after you, who will build a house for my name, and I will establish it. Who is that? It's Solomon. See, somebody else is Jesus. Yes, it's both. You have a weaving through, but now and not yet. The promise today, today, your son will sit on your throne after you. That's Solomon. He'll build a house for my name. That's the temple that Solomon built. He will rule, and I will chastise him when he sins. That's Solomon. But the king who will reign eternally at the end of that chapter, that's not Solomon. Solomon dies. That's Jesus. He will build a house for my name, which Jesus did. Where is the temple of God? It's not in Jerusalem. It's in each and every believer as a temple of the Holy Spirit. The dwelling of God is no longer in a building, it is in his people. That's the work of Christ, that eternal reign. There's no need for chastisement, but the rod of men does smite Christ. Uh, who's the his or ours? Ours. He has no sin, it is our sin placed upon him. So in that promise to David, you have a now coming with Solomon, but you have a not yet coming with Christ. You have, the same thing with, you have the same thing with Cyrus and Isaiah. You have a now, well, a couple hundred years from then, actually, but you have a now that Cyrus will do this, but it is a foreshadowing, a picturing of what will occur. And this is one of those times when I'm really mad at my hands because they missed it, right? But that much, you went forth for the, for the salvation of your people. For the salvation of your anointed.
2: Urgh. I know I had one listening on, on, the, uh, on the live stream,
0: but it's not of. It's not of your anointed in verse 13. It's with. And the King James and the New King James actually get
2: that one right. I check The NIV gets it wrong. Um, the, the, the Pullman, I think, gets it wrong.
0: But the NASB and the ESV get it wrong. It drives me nuts that they do. But the King James actually got this one right. Read it again and see if this has been You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation with your anointed. That just changed a whole lot, didn't it? The anointed doesn't need to be saved. The anointed is the means by which God's people are saved. Christ is the ultimate goal of this. Cyrus is not the end-all, be-all deliverance. He is the one who allows the sacrifices to continue. What's the point of the sacrifices? The point to what? Messiah who is to come. What's the point of the festivals that are reinstituted? To point of the Messiah. Is to the what we saw in John, right? I am the water, I am the light, I am the light, I am the bread. All of those things were pointing not to themselves, but to Christ. The, the king, Cyrus, ruler of the whole known world, allowing worship of God to rightly resume, is not a work unto himself, it's a work unto the promise of God. As we're working through this in Sunday school, this is part of the pictures and the shadows that we're seeing. If Cyrus is not showing you his glory, he's showing you God's glory will, will be revealed finally in Christ. That's cool. It's beyond what is going on just in day-to-day life. And we miss it when our focus is where? Right here. We look down. It's navel-gazing, right? Not like navel is in the AL, as in boats, but in EL. Stomach. you look down and look at your belly button, what can
1: you
0: say? Lent. <laughs> oh, say lint? Only you would say lint. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is nothing else. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the old phrase, right? We're just sitting around contemplating the lint on our own ankles. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. I'm looking at one thing and I can't see anything else. My vision is up. When I focus on God's eternal redemption, salvation, what he has promised to do in Christ, what he has delivered in Christ, and what he will do in Christ. What can this world make for me? What can this world do to me? Nothing. This is how Christians of old were like, we're going to be a little We're going weren't happy about learning. They were happy about what? I'm going to be taken away from this place. This is, this is the cry of Paul, right? Wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this body of death? That's who this world is. is death. Literally, surrounding me constantly, my struggle with sin is a reminder that it is real and that my demise is coming. But in Christ, I'm free. In Christ, I have redemption. In Christ, I have no fear. I have no worry. I have nothing to take me away. So, verse 16. How do you respond to all of that? I heard, and my inward parts trembled. At the, sound of, at the sound my lips quiver. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble. Because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. He knows, doesn't he? Habakkuk knows. The Lord answered me and said, record the vision, inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time, and it hastens toward the goal. And it will not fail. And though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come, it will not delay. So if you're Habakkuk, seated on your guard post, looking out, you now know. What do you think happens every time these scans that are rising? Every time the sun rises, and he looks over towards the mountain, what do you think he's looking for? It's today the, the day. It's today the day. Every time you see somebody, what do you tell them? It's coming. It is coming. And it's back to skipping on the wall. God's got to kill you. God's got to kill you. Yeah. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that, have no more than they can do. I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he is killed has authority to get something out. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Yeah. Welcome to the back. I have heard in my inward parts tremble. At the sound of this quiver, decay hay enters my bones. This is not a joyous occasion. This is a sign for mourning. Death is coming to his people. Destruction is coming upon his city. And he knows that it's on the way. This is where the modern world is like, it was so I run out of bread, what do I do? I go to a store and I buy more. If I need milk, what do I do? I go to a store and buy more. Well, what if they're restocking and they don't have the milk that I want? I go to another one. There's like 27 to choose from. And it's just so much out of my day. I have to drive two more miles to another store. There's no pestilence. There's no famine in the land. There's no disease. This is why I say it's kind of fun that we landed on this book at this time. Because what are we being reminded of right now in daily life? We are not as secure as we think we are. We are not as safe in this world as we've been led to believe. And the damage of the modern world is the comfort that it provides. I don't know what answer to the question. What do I do? Hey Google. Hey, Siri. I mean, what you know, Alexa. Whatever. I can talk to it and I'll get an answer. If I don't know something, I can look it up online, I can watch the news, I can find information. If I don't have something, I can go and get it. And if they haven't got it, somebody else does. And if none of those stores have it, you know what I can do? I can order it on Amazon. They'll deliver it to my doorstep tomorrow. It's like th- what's the worst thing I gotta do? I'm not gonna pay the extra twelve dollars for fresh shipping. It's all- I'll wait till Friday. I don't need even- Who's the master of my faith and the captain of my ship? I am. This is the world in which I live. I'm going to live forever until the minute that I don't. I'm going to one complain about it until that point, aren't right. This is the world in which we live. This is not the world in which a master lives. And he has a right view of God's judgment because it is terrifying. And he knows that it's coming. He can do nothing to wait for it. Krishna, That is how we're supposed to live day in and day out. What is it? The sun rises in the back and sits on the wall. What's he doing? Is today the day? What was the lesson from Jesus' parables? How should you be waiting for the Master to return? That's how he's coming. How should I be waiting? Like, he's coming tomorrow. So I'm ready right now because the next morning, what am I doing? Okay, today's not the day. All right, let's get ready because tomorrow's going to be the day. We don't live like that. We don't. Because the world conditions us to do something else. Habakkuk has had that taken from him. He started out whining God, when are you going to judge these people? Well, you wouldn't do that. Okay, I will wait.
2: That's a progression of
0: someone who's now looking every single day. We are dead, daily, day and day. We take up our cross, we forsake ourselves. The pleasures of this world, the desires of our flesh, and follow after Christ. Why? Because today might have been the day. And I would break. Right. But whose fault is that? That's mine. Whose destruction could that be? Fine the people around me. Because who didn't make disciples that day? I didn't. Who didn't discipline himself that day? I didn't. When might he come? I don't
1: know. 1245.
0: How should I know? But my expe- my expectation should be what? Looking out. 17. though the fig tree should not blossom, there be no fruit on the mines. Though the yield of the olive should fail, the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Did we leave anything out? I mean, that's a, that's a rotten day, right? There's no figs, there's no blossoms, there's no fruit, there's no olives. We're not making wine, we're not eating food, there's no cattle. We're not having burgers, we're, we're dead. There's nothing to eat, there's nothing to drink. We are dead. Yet,
2: I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation.
0: The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds' feet and makes me walk on my high places. That's an illusion. The deer on the mountains. You ever watch videos of like deer and goats and stuff in the mountains? and they're like standing on an 87 degree ledge, like, you know, like with four hooves and one rock. And you're like, how do those buggers do that? That's what the backpack is saying. That's me right now. I'm on the mountain, like, what? I'm gonna jump from this rock and I'm gonna jump to that rock. And you're watching going, you're, like, you're cringing. Like, all it's gonna take is one loose rock for that stupid crater to fall down the mountain. And if you keep watching the nature videos, what don't they do? They don't fall down the mountain. Like,
1: oh,
0: go look it up there goats that eat, um, they eat like moss, and I'm, I'm, it's like a 90 degree rock face, and they're plastered to it like this, and, 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 and. this is my goat impression, do <laughs> 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 Go look up the videos of the goats on the mountains. It's, it's tricky. That's what Habakkuk is describing, though. In the shakiest of possible grounds, how do those things act? Like they're standing on solid ground, where's the basket? up the garden post, looking for the destruction to come. He is on the shakiest of Because any day now. What's going to happen? He's going to be done. And everyone around him is going to be done. And how does he do it? With his feet firmly planted in God. That's Christian living. This is what we're always talking about, right? How do I live? Grounded, Built up in Christ. Why? Because where is my hope? Matthew 6. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My hope is not in my retirement, my hope is not in the market, my hope is not in the grocery store, my hope is in Christ. God is our refuge and strength. A present, a very present, help in trouble.
2: Therefore I will
0: not fear, though the earth should change though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake and it's swelling brought. How At that start, I will not fear. You can't take it from me. I am secure in Christ. Jesus said to her, John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never first off, because he asks her a question. Do you remember what it is? Do you believe this? There's Christian living right there. What's your answer to the question? Do you believe this? Because the
2: temptation is,
0: well I've got retirement, I've got a house, I've got some savings built up, I've got some kids that'll take care of me, I've got some i got some cousins that live in Iowa, they'll take me to the that get out of this stupid state that's going to bankrupt us all, right? Everybody's got a plan. What's the old Mike Tyson line? Everybody's got a plan until what? Do you get punched in the mouth. That was Mike Tyson's old line. Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You can figure out how you're going to beat me when I hit you one good time, if I hurt. What is the world saying to us right now? All your plans. Because it Steinbeck? All the plans of Nice and Men have often gone or not. We can plan, we can provide, we can do everything that we can do, and I didn't say go do those things. But if that's our salvation, we are Christ asks, do you believe this? He doesn't want you to sit there and go, well, yes, so you I do. do. Where's my 401k What's the marketing thing? Do you live like it? Do you walk the walk of faith? Now, well, that could take a chance. And what's he saying? I'm good. I trust. Christians in times past got that chance. The world came in and said, repent or, or die. And they're like, I'm dying. And the people that said, I'm recanting, you know what they said? Yeah. And okay, don't come back. Because when pushed me to shove, you show the world. We are getting that opportunity in the world. The foundations of our world are being shaken. <coughs> Around the world, markets are changing. Jobs will be lost. People are dying I don't think this virus is as serious as they make it out to be, I don't. It doesn't change the fact that thousands of people have died, that hundreds of thousands of people have gotten sick, that millions of people have lost their jobs. None of that has changed. What we're being shown is how secure our footing is in this world. And those of us that are running around screaming like Chicken Little, this is falling, this falling are showing that we don't have that firm foundation. In Christ, Christian, we should. And not only should we have it, we should be demonstrating it, and we should be teaching it. That's the step the world needs to hear. Why am I not afraid? Why am I not cowering in fear? Why am I not destroyed by what's going on in the world? Because it's not where I live. I'm just renting. I don't own this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but that should be our attitude with this place. I didn't buy stop into this
0: world. I haven't got a mortgage. I'm gonna die and it's gonna to go to somebody else. As Blazy he said, you're gonna die and leave to somebody who's gonna do who knows what with it. And 100 years from now, no one will remember our names. And that is good, because 100 years from now, and he will know my name. And he will provide. And he who cannot fail will welcome me into his eternal kingdom. That's where I want to be. And that's where I want the world to set oh, And they're not going to do it unless I discipline myself to walk and talk and teach in accord with that.
2: So, Christian,
0: this is part of the lesson of Abacca. We're out of the wall. Judgment is coming. Are we living like it's coming tomorrow? No. Should we? Yes. Hundreds of thousands of people die in this country
2: every year. I do millions of people die in this country every year. Millions of people every year will wake up to the
0: reality of what? The judgment's gone. We shouldn't rejoice in that. We should be terrified of that. And we should be terrified of world, but on
2: Christ and his kingdom. It is only then does we actually have a foundation to deal with this world. Let's right. Again, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the provision that you have given, for the salvation that you have brought, for the joy at your coming that we will
0: experience the Lord. We also fear at the coming of your judgment, that there is coming a time when your wrath against sin will be Lord, in the interim, I pray that you would secure us, that you would strengthen us, that we would be consistent witnesses to your goodness and your mercy, and that when the time comes, we would have nothing to fear, but we would rejoice at your coming. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, reminders, if you haven't heard from anybody or you have, you think about anybody during this time, remember to check on them, keep up with them. Thank you to everybody who's online. We had a handful up there. So hopefully everything came through, and we'll just keep providing this online stream, hopefully with a video next week, until world the world returns to normal again, and we'll go from there. So let's pray real quick. Lord, again, as we leave this place, ground us in you, strengthen us, that we would trust in you and not in ourselves. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.